You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Before I forget, and if I don't say it immediately, I will forget, we have a another giveaway on Instagram. We've got another Lombardi trophy that is signed, this time by none other than Mr. Desmond Howard. So if you think... You could find a place in your home for some of the coolest Packers memorabilia. Something like, oh, I don't know, a Lombardi trophy signed by Desmond Howard. Then you should probably go to Packernet Podcast on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, and then go follow the instructions. I always say it, it it's, it's weird to me how little traction these giveaways get. <laughs> we hear a lot about how hard... People have it in this country. But then they're like, hey, we're going to give this several hundred dollar thing away for free. You want it? Nah, it's all right. Really? You just have to do like three minutes of work. Nah, I don't want it. It's too hard. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're doing well. However, if you think that would be kind of cool and you want it, again, uh, go follow me on Instagram and uh, that's... If it takes you three minutes, I'll be kind of shocked, but three minutes will work. If you've already done all of these steps, it'll take you eight seconds, like signing up at Pristine and whatnot. Anyways, today is officially game day, and because everybody is a complete idiot, um, we now have news about Odell Beckham that is just recycled old news that's already been proven untrue. Right, we've been through this. We understand what happened. Odell Beckham always wanted to go to the Rams. That was, his, that was his only choice. He was going to the Rams the whole time. He was never going anywhere else. He always wanted to go to the Rams. This is the information we've already received. For some unbelievable reason, Adam Schefter, well, it's not unbelievable. For, for very obvious reasons, Adam Schefter has decided to rehash old news that's already been proven untrue. And the old news is Odell Beckham really, 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 really wanted to come to Green Bay. Like, desperately wanted to come to Green Bay. And would have if they would have just upped their offer a little bit. But the Green Bay Packers only offered a veteran minimum. And so he just unfortunately had to make the painful choice of going over to the L.A. Rams. This is is fiction. Again, we've already talked about this. He wanted to move to L.A. because he wants to live in Los Angeles. He also realizes he can make more money off the field than on the field in a major market like Los Angeles. He gets to play for a contender like Los Angeles. Everything he wants is in Los Angeles. None of the things he wants, with the exception of maybe playing for a contender, and I don't even know how much that really matters to him, 
None of those things exist in Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's not some major endorsement deals. No disrespect to Quick Trip and Culver's, but I'd be willing to bet that they're not exactly offering the kind of endorsement deals that, that companies out in Los Angeles, California are offering. The high today in Los Angeles is 81 degrees. It's going to get to 81. Tomorrow, 82, then 83, then 87, then 81, then 76, then 76, then 78. That's Los Angeles. In Green Bay, Wisconsin, the high is going to be 35, then 34 and snowy, then 38, 41, 45, 40, 32, 35. There's also two days of extreme wind. There's, I see two days of snow and one, two, three, four, five days of cloudy, gloomy garbage. Odell Beckham was not coming here. Again, we, we've done this already. We've, we've gone through this already. But because Adam Schefter is less about breaking news and things like that and more, I mean, he's, he's kind of like Ian where he does that a little bit, but he also realizes his real bread and butter isn't to just retweet Ian Rappaport all the time. It's um, to be some kind of a weird Ian Rappaport-Mike Florio hybrid. And so on the day of Green Bay Packers LA Rams, he's trying to figure out what is the biggest way to pad my pocket today. The biggest way to pad your pocket in that industry is drama. What's the biggest drama right now? Odell Beckham. By the way, drama with a tinge of hatred is a big one. And what he's trying to do as seems to be the, the favorite pastime of the media in general, is to sow discord among the people within Green Bay. You know, I, I almost wonder if there's something more. I'll have to think about this a little bit more. But there seems to be something much more sinister <laughs> going on in regards to the media. I mean, it's not even just clicks. They seem to really want the fans to hate the team, the team to hate the fans, the players to hate the front office, the front office to dislike the players, the fans to dislike the front office. Because everything, if you listen to people that hate Brian Gutekunst, for the most part, it's because of stupid stuff like this that the media says that's not true. By the way, even if it was, it would have been a bad decision to bring Odell Beckham here. But that's beside the point. I don't even care about that discussion right now. I don't even care about rehashing what I've been saying for days in which Odell Beckham is not 2015 Odell Beckham because it's not 2015. I don't know if you knew that or not. I don't feel like rehashing that. But then you get the biggest idiot in all of sports media, Mike Florio, who writes an article that starts with report, low offer from Packers caused OBJ to pick the Rams. You absolute moron. You absolute idiot. There's no new report out. This is old news that was already debunked. We heard this weeks ago. We already knew about this. We heard about this, and we found out it wasn't true. And yes, I clicked on the article. My bad. But I'm, I'm reading. I'm all over Twitter. Nobody's just saying we, this isn't true. I'm looking at the comments. Everybody's act, acting like, oh, this is brand new news. Nobody. Not one person has mentioned we've heard this already. Smart move by the Packers, says Big Moose. It wasn't a move by the Packers. It was a move by Odell Beckham to go to L.A. We know this. How do you not know this? The guy's toxic, short of attention span. Uh, Bill here is arguing why it was smart for the Packers not to do it. Twitter is just, I mean, it, this isn't real. This is not real. But here, since apparently the whole world forgot how this went down, it took, this, this is from 10 days ago. Ten days ago, and the whole world forgot. Good Lord, people. <laughs> what would you do without me? You need people like me. You 
said on, I think, Thursday Night Football, you were standing on that fake field alongside Olsen, um, and you get it. Good show. Love the show. Interesting show. You talked about how L.A. was in it all along, right? You, I don't know how you— No, no, no. The other way. The other way. L.A. was not way. in it at all. No. So, so the other teams were courting Odell. Odell wanted to go to L.A. the whole time. Oh. And it was Jalen Ramsey. Jalen got a lot of juice in this league. So Jalen is the one who brought it to McVay, like, on Wednesday. And Odell looked at it like he didn't care if he was going to make a league minimum because he'd make more money off the field in L.A. than he would on the field somewhere else. But the other teams were courting him. But as he was on, you know, kind of FaceTime with Jalen, he was doing that with a lot of the locker rooms there. Um, but it wasn't, you know, I know they have this about a jersey and all that. And Odell's been trying to go to the Rams for a long time. and. Okay. Even, like, after he got traded to the Browns, I remember talking to him. He's like, dude, you got to help me, like, get traded back. He traded out to the to the Rams. I'm like, really? it don't work like that, bro. You can't do it, like, twice in like four days. Hey, man, I just it don't work like that, dude. This lake is windy. It is cold. Can we get to L.A. out here? So I'm going to say this again. This is fiction. Now, the question is, why is he doing this? Now, to be clear, I came to the, to the defense of... Um, Adam Schefter, because a lot of Packer fans were just incorrect about what they were saying about Adam Schefter. Not necessarily that he's a great dude, but just a lot of the information was fake. With that said, it's quite clear that his intention is to be somewhat of a bottom feeder. He is now relaying already debunked information and repackaging it as breaking news on the day of the Green Bay Packers LA Rams football game, and now you've got another bottom feeder who's just, he knows the report as well, I'm sure. I guess I shouldn't be so sure, but half of these national guys don't actually pay attention to their job very well. I would assume Mike Florio knows, but either way, he doesn't care. He's looking to get a bunch of clicks on the day that Odell Beckham is going to Green Bay. With the, the message, Again, not that the Green Bay Packers are going to show, this is a chance for Green Bay to show Odell that what he did was wrong. That's a way that you could make the drama real, but not be a lying douche about it. But instead, they choose the other way, which is why I'm starting to wonder if there's something more malicious here. Whether that's just trying to get under Packer fans' um, fingernails, or maybe there really is a tactic, a clickbait tactic, in which you say things that are not true, knowing that it's going to cause a lot of fighting. Because somebody like me, I'll go on Twitter right now, say this is completely untrue and unverified if I were to comment it, and then they would start an argument. If you just go with my title, it's not going to cause a lot of discord. If you just say, you know, did Odell make the right choice? We'll find out today. You might have, well, you probably still generate some conversation with that. If you phrase it, did they make the right choice? But it's still making the same error either way, so that was a bad example. It's making the error of putting the onus on the Packers. In other words, the way that they're phrasing it is, the Packers could have pulled the trigger and chose not to, and now he's a Ram. And what they want to happen, and make absolutely no mistake about this, obviously obviously Florio wants it because he hates the Packers as a Vikings fan, but the media in general want the Packers desperately to lose this game because they want to they want to paint it as an, an, an error of the Green Bay Packers choosing not to go all in. Now, maybe this all just filters back to Aaron Rodgers and the narrative that they had about the Packers not going all in, and that's why Rodgers is leaving. I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. If they're still stuck on that, or if it's something, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if they even know. I kind of think they generate a bunch of biases and don't really even think too much about it. 
You know, I mean, j- just the general idea that no, and that's the other thing. I don't think they really question anything. I think there's a general sentiment that the Packers don't go all in, don't go out and get free agents, and they just accept it. And they just carry on. And nobody really has any critical thinking skills to stop and, and analyze anything. It's a lost art. Analysis. Critical thought. Independent thought. This is what everybody else is saying. That's interesting. I'm going to go investigate it. No, no, no. That's not what we do. This is what everybody else is saying. Therefore, true. End of conversation. This is what the majority thinks. Therefore, it's true. But again, it comes back to the fact that they're lying about it. They want this to be... I mean, it, it's almost like... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think this through as I'm doing the podcast. It's almost as if the NFL is just... I mean, it's just a sport, right? I mean, I, I don't buy the idea that it's rigged or anything like that because it's too impossible. And I know I'm going to have people message me like, it's, technically it's not. Here's what they could do. And they, they send me the whole thing about how it could... It's not possible. Football players make bad throws. They drop passes. If, if, if the plan is to make this like the WWE, which if you want to know how old I am, it still makes me sick to say WWE. So stupid. It's WWF. But anyways, World Wildlife Foundation can stick it. Anywho, every year I kick a panda in their honor. You can't structure it that way. You can't say, you know, I'm going to, you know, beat you up and then you beat me up and then you're going to try to pin me. And then so-and-so is going to come in and smack you with something, and, and then, you know, then I'm going to end up winning. You know, you can't structure it from, from beginning to end. Try to do that with a football game. Okay, we're, we're going to go up seven, then you guys drive down the field and score a touchdown. What if you don't, though? Are we just going to pretend that wasn't fourth down? <laughs> you know? Okay, it's fourth down, guys. You got to, you know, come on, let's go. Game-winning field goal? What if you miss it? The TV's just not going to broadcast that, and everybody in the stadium is going to be you know, blasted with one of those men in black memory erasers. Come on now. However, despite the fact that the NFL is real and football players really are on both sides trying to win the football game, that's not to say that certain conspiratorial things within that can't be true. I don't know. Not interesting to me at this point. The refs are manipulative or whatever. The media, however, I think has realized that their product is sort of booming the more that they can treat this like a wrestling thing, the, the, the more that they can prop up the drama. And there has been a lot more, partially because of the players and what they've chosen to do. I mean, you got, you know, back when Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell forced their way off the team. I mean, that was, that was big-time drama. And things like that have become more regular ever since. But I think they need it. I mean, it's really no different than the, you know, national news media or whatever. They need some form of drama. It drives numbers. Now, that doesn't mean they're going out causing things to happen, but they're certainly rooting for it. And they certainly make things bigger than they probably are. And they certainly are trying to push more strife and division among people within the United States, which is why they are completely evil human beings. One of the worst things in this country right now is the division. And you have a massive entity whose number one job is to cause division. But the the sports media is doing the exact same thing. For the same reason, because it makes more money. So in other words, the NFL and football is real, but the media wants it to be wrestling. And so all the sort of, they they kind of create these dramas within that aren't necessarily even true. So there's two things like running parallel with each other. You have the NFL, which is partially why these press conferences can be so ridiculous sometimes, because you have the media trying to drive this like wrestling fake narrative, you know, drama thing. 
And the coaches are just sitting there like, dude, you're an idiot. Stop asking me stupid questions. The Aaron Rodgers situation was exactly like that. They're begging, please don't talk to me about this. I want to talk about football. They don't want to do that. Why? Drama. They don't actually care about the football part. It's almost as if there's two entirely different industries running on one track. Reminds me of those fish that like live on whales, you know? It's probably, I could probably come up with a better example of that than that. Come on, man. This is my thing. I don't know. I'm blanking. I can't remember ever blanking on an analogy before. Anyways, whatever. You get the point though, right? And I think from now on, that's just kind of how I'm, how I'm viewing it. The, they're not running the same race. They're running next to each other in different races. I guess it's kind of like fantasy football in a way. You know, it's directly related to football, but it's not football. We use the players and their output and everything else, but it's for our own purposes on a completely different platform and for a completely different purpose. And so we have rooting interests that don't really necessarily line up perfectly with anything that would make sense just within the confines of the NFL in our fandom as Packer fans. Because we have this separate world created, literally called fantasy football, and what we have happen there, what we want to have happen there, isn't because of anything over there, it's because of what's over here. I think the media is doing the same thing. They Fantasy football for them, their fantasy world, is the fantasy world that they've created in which all these little dramas exist, and the Green Bay Packers are drama central. And so they create their own little universes about Aaron Rodgers, about the Green... You know, narratives. They're narratives. Some of them are true, some of them are not true. Most of them are completely exaggerated, if at all true. And so they simply take the information. And again, national media is a a great way to put this. If you look at the difference between MSNBC and Fox, for example, they can take the exact same bit of information, but just extract the parts they need to continue to build their own narrative on their platform, which is not really reporting what's happening. It's creating and building their own universe of reality. This is making so much sense to me as I'm talking about this. Right? It's not taking the whole thing and then just showing people and saying, here's the thing. No, 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 no. You take the pieces and the parts you need to build the machinery you're building. Adam Schefter is building his own piece of machinery. He's building his own little universe over here. Mike Florio is building his own universe. Fox News is building their own universe. MSNBC is building their own universe. None of which is based on reality, just plainly as it is. Because then you would just, you don't take pieces and then build a universe over here and then shoot an image of the universe. You just show the real world. You just show football. You say, this is what it is. But that's not what they're doing. They take pieces and parts from the real world, they move it over to their fantasy world, and then they shoot video of their fantasy world and say, here is the world as it really is. And in a national context, it's how we literally have two different, if you switch back and forth, there's literally two different universes that we're looking at based in real information. That's what makes it crazy. It's like, that's, I mean, that's true. There's nothing they're saying that's untrue. That's, I mean, you know, the events actually happen. But that's, that's, what, that's what Schefter is doing. Except in this case, it's, it's kind of a weird thing where it's an old report that was found to be untrue that he's just rehashing. But it's the same thing. And I think anybody that, even when they go to the press conferences, and I, I've said this is one of the things that annoys me the most about these guys, is they go in with the article already written, they just need a soundbite. So if I, it's not about, I want to extract really good information to relay to the listeners, to the Packer fans. It's, I'm writing an article about Yash, right? I'm writing an article about Yash and Iman and his contribution. And so I go in there and I say, hey, Aaron, uh, what's it like having a guy like Yash and Iman 
step up in the face of adversity and you know and just just lay out the carpet so for to to, to just get a couple snippets that I need for my article and I'll plug them in there. What's it like having a guy like Devante step up? It's 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 stupid and it's boring and we look at this like why would you ask that? That's not interesting information because it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with showing you any in-depth information. I'm just extracting what I need for my purposes, for my universe that I'm building over at this website or this blog or whatever, for my videos, for my podcasts, for all my little purposes over here. So anyways, all that to say that uh, Adam Schefter's an idiot. And again, that, that's, that's the nice thing about it. If he's going to pretend that what he's saying is what he believes to be reality, then I can pretend to believe him. I don't have to try to figure out his secret motives. I'm just going to pretend I believe him because then I can just call him an idiot. Same with Florio. They probably know it's not true. They're probably smarter than this. But if they want to play stupid games, I'll play along. I'm happy to play along and just call them stupid. I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather they just, you know, do their job well and respectably. But um, they choose to pretend to be stupid. So I'm going to pretend to believe them and call them stupid. It's not a, I mean, it's, I guess it's not the worst thing. It's just annoying. It's just annoying that some people believe it. And, not, and by some people, I mean literally everybody that I've found that has responded to this. Anyways, um, that was a rant I wasn't really expecting. But as I sit down to do the podcast, I see that pop up. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then when I saw, I went over to Packernet.com, which is a great place for information. Um, went over here to see if there's any new news. And right at the top, report, low offer from Packers caused OBJ to pick Rams. <laughs> and then I saw Pro Football Talk and I thought, all right, I guess we're doing this today. I guess we're doing this today. Anyways, in other news, Rashawn Gary is expected to play. That is fantastic news. Um, it was kind of expected, but it, you never really know. Um, even just from a standpoint of the team being deceptive, not wanting other people to know who's playing and who's not, they can kind of put out whatever vibe um, that they want to put out. And sometimes things just aren't that way. And so I'm glad that this wasn't one of those instances where they try to make the Rams prepare for guys that aren't going to be there because it sounds like he's going to play. Although, sounds like isn't an official stance, I guess. Um, another thing, apparently, and I don't know, let me see if I can find some other in-depth. In- I just saw this a second ago. Let me just read a couple of these things to you. Um, and I don't know how much of this has already been established or how long this has been going on or, or what exactly the situation is, but um, this via my sports update, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford is, quote, all banged up, end quote. And he's been dealing with a sore ankle, pain in his throwing arm and elbow, and back pain that has been described as chronic per Diana ESPN. Uh, the Rams are in freezing cold Lambo today to take on the Packers. Um, it is big news. Kind of like the, the media thing. It's got my head spinning in a couple different directions here. The first thing that I would want to know is how long have these things been going? Chronic back issues, I believe, is, is something that's been going on probably for years. But as far as these other things, how long have they been going on? Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? When did they start? These are the kinds of things I'd love to be able to know. Um, sore ankle, pain in his throwing arm and elbow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it is also a very good take here that they're going to Green Bay, which generally is not a good thing. Usually not everybody's favorite thing when you got aches and pain. I mean, you, you remember Brett Favre toward the end of his career really started to slow down in December. It was just not a good month for him or, or you know, November, December, toward the end of the season. And maybe it had more to do with just the season wearing on him over time. I don't know. But it seemed as though the cold weather was not his friend. 
Um, it is worth noting two of his three worst games have come the last two weeks. So that's one of those things where if you told me two weeks ago is when he first banged up his arm or his ankle or whatever, that would be interesting to me. It could just be a coincidence. His worst game of the season was week nine. After that was week six. And after that was week 10. Now, his best game was week eight. But again, if that injury happened week nine, that's interesting information to me. Or if it's something he's been working with all year, then it probably doesn't mean anything other than the whole Green Bay thing. Maybe the cold weather is going to mess with him. I don't know. But he's had some great, again, as early as week eight, he's had some great game. So he's obviously able to work through at least the back issues. Something that I probably should look at, considering the back thing is chronic, is, is cold weather a problem for him? My automatic assumption is no, because he usually plays well against Green Bay, but let's take a look at it. It's kind of hard to gauge, too, because if you just go by wins and losses, it's the Detroit Lions, so obviously there's going to be more losses than you would expect. But um, in reality, I went back to 2010, games that are 32 degrees or lower, because I figured, you know, freezing point, whatever, it's just a general temperature to look at. Um, five times since 2010, and I don't know for sure that... Let's see if Stafford played in all these. He did, Okay. Five times in his career, the coldest game he's played in was 26 degrees, which seems impossible to me. He had a 120 passer rating. Now, uh, this was 2018, but it's also the most recent game he's played. So if he's had chronic back injuries, you go to his most recent game, that was his 31-0 game against the Packers. Um, Otherwise, you got to go to 2016, and really it just kind of goes downward in terms of um, I mean, he, he won his most recent games, which goes back to 2016. You have to go back to 2014 when he played in 27 degree weather against the Packers, um, and lost 20 to 30. So, and that was an 89 pass. So there's, there's nothing here. There's nothing I can go on based on cold weather. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a factor. I'm just saying, I'm trying to get some concrete information to be able to say, this is why they're in trouble. And without any kind of timeline in terms of what injuries happened when, I got nothing to go on. He's had chronic back injuries, which maybe chronic means for this year. I I tend to believe, I almost think I've known about it. I know he's been banged up. It sounds like something that I think I already knew, but I don't know that I knew it. Does that, am I, never mind. I did find a Twitter doctor. Um, He's saying that he, so I was right about the back issues. He had multiple fractures in his back. He says, you know, no way to know if this is, uh, the same thing or a different thing. Um, when they refer to it as chronic issues, I tend to think that this is an ongoing issue, not a new issue. According to the doctor, and obviously he has nothing to do with the team, but um, he's even recommending sitting him versus Green Bay. Um, he says, it's definitely concerning. The back injury is likely chronic from his old fractures. Elbow could be lateral medial epicondylitis. Biggest concern is UCL or flexor. Don't mind sitting him today versus Green. Oh, he's, I think he's a fantasy. Never mind. He's a fantasy guy. <laughs> Anyways, definitely got to follow this guy. So again, that, that's the biggest thing for me. Did the media just find out about something that has been going on all season? Uh, did they just find out about something that's been going on for a long time? Or is, is a lot of this ankle and, and elbow stuff kind of brand new? That's very important information. Because if this is brand new... Everything that he's done in the past is off the table. And, you know, his last two weeks being bad two weeks, um, the floor could continue to bottom out. The, the other weird thing about this is they just, they're just they just coming off a bye week. So you would think that he's been resting and healing 
all bye week. And, and for them to come out with this thing saying he's really banged up, like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's confusing. Was he banged up in his last game? Is he better now than he was because he at least had a week to heal as opposed to all these other games he's just been fighting through it? So I, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of information, but it is worth uh, keeping an eye on. Remember, uh, Russell Wilson played through a little bit of an injury on his hand, his finger. He didn't look very good at all. Anyways, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back, look at some of the other games that are going on, work on a score prediction for the Packer game, and uh, we'll call it a day. If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. As I've said in the past, it's a harder sentence to say than you'd think, all right? If everybody gave a dollar that listens to the podcast, in fact, if it happened today, you know what I would do today? I'd buy a plane ticket. I would buy a plane ticket to Florida. While I'm in Florida, I would go get a card table and I would broadcast from the beach. That's what I would do. In fact, I will make that deal with you. Not even necessarily today, just at at any point in my life, if the Patreon donations average the same amount of people that listen to the podcast, the day that that happens, I will buy a plane ticket. Maybe I'll bring somebody with me. That'd be like a little perk. I'll buy two plane tickets, one for me, one for you. I'll meet you in Florida. We'll hang out, we'll do the podcast, and then we'll just crush it the rest of the day. Anyways, uh, I'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I'm not going to lie, I, I always go through, kind of, as I'm doing this, I'm doing it kind of live with you, trying to figure out where to place my bets. Um, I've already recovered my week one disaster of a bankroll. I am now in the green. I thought last week was a bad week, but I am well in the green right now. I must have made more good decisions than bad, I guess. I don't know. Um, so that's good. This is the first time ever that I am I'm positive um, as far as my betting, and I'm, I'm really considering doing something reckless here. I'm considering betting half my bankroll that the Packers lose just to hedge my bets. Just because it's one of the, I would happily give up half of this just for the Packers to get a win. I might, I think I'm just going to do it. In fact, I might just put it all on, on the Rams to win. Anyways, we'll, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Maybe whatever's left over, I'll put on the, on the Rams to win. I'm a very superstitious person, so you just got to get over that. All right, so first of all, Tennessee and New England should be a game we don't care about, but I absolutely care about it. I am a big Tennessee Titans fan right now, um, partially because I think Tennessee Titans are just sort of the Green Bay Packers spirit animal right now. Um, As they go, we go. I I just feel like they're kind of tied. I know that's, again, nonsense. I'm getting into the superstition territory, but I, I just, if they fall off as they potentially seemingly are, 
Um, and I'm, as we're starting to worry about the Packers and their trajectory, I just want them to do well. But the bigger issue is New England is really terrifying right now. I don't know that New England isn't the best team in football. I know that sounds crazy, but I mean it. Offensively, defensively, when you look at consistency in particular, they're just beating everybody very consistently, very systematically. It looks like the Patriots. It's a good offense and a good defense just dismantling people. Um, And so I really, really want the Tennessee Titans to obliterate the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, however, are seven and a half point favorites, though. So um, I will not be putting anything on this game, but all I'm going to say is I really want Tennessee to win because I don't want New England to be a good football team, especially since they're a good football team, having basically just tore down and rebuilt. And in one year, they're maybe the best team in football. They just rebuilt the team. They just lost Tom Brady. They just drafted a quarterback. He's a rookie. They got rid of a vast majority of their defense. We saw them. They all went to Miami and Detroit. Miami and Detroit are trash. New England is great. I, you know, I don't know, man. Um, Texans and Jets, boy, oh boy, that is a, that is a game that uh, is going to be horrible to watch. Wow. No thoughts. Just, I mean, that's, that's it. That's the end of my thoughts. That's, that is brutal. Um, Philadelphia and the Giants. I'm tempted to take Philadelphia here just because of what I was talking about before, as far as them just annihilating teams, but they're also a team that just will suddenly just not show up. But being four-point favorites, it's one of those things where the spread is spread just doesn't matter. They're either going to lose or they're going to win big. So if you think they're going to win, just pick them to win. Giants are at home, but it's not exactly a... Uh, it's not like they're traveling a long distance. I know that's not the entire reason that home field is, is a big deal, but Giants have been winning every other for a while. They lost to the Rams, beat the Panthers, lost to the Chiefs, beat the Raiders, lost to Tampa, so technically... Um, and the teams they lost to, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers, these are really good teams. Before that was Dallas. Um, they beat the Saints, the Panthers, and the Raiders. I mean, they secretly might be better than um, a lot of people think based on their record. Philly has won two in a row by just annihilating people, 30-13 to 13 over the Denver Broncos, 40-29 to 29 over the Saints. Uh, and then again, they lost to the Chargers, blew out the Lions, Lost to the Raiders and the Bucks. I mean, they just, I don't know, man. I don't think I can touch it. I'm tempted to take Philly, but again, the Giants might secretly be a little bit better. And it again, if, if Philadelphia continues to play at this level, they're going to blow them out either way because this, this is what, the last two weeks just looks like a really good football team. I mean, just any way you slice it. But if they just show up and have a bad day, the Giants are good enough to be able to overtake them. So I'm just not going to touch it. Ultimately, I think I want the Giants to win because the Eagles are kind of making me a little bit nervous. If they win, they're six and six, and if they win big, they've they've they're one of the scarier teams in football the last three weeks. And they are an NFC team, and they have the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Giants, Washington, and Dallas. They're all division games that they should win, with the exception of Dallas. So they could go on a massive win streak here. Let's say they win, let's see, so that's six, seven, eight, nine. Eh. If they drop two, they're only nine wins. I don't know if that's maybe enough to get it. I'm just worried about them sneaking into the playoffs and just, I mean, this is a classic just home wrecker football team. They're just going to slide in, destroy your marriage, I mean, you know, your season, and then just be gone. So I will be rooting for the Giants in that game. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Colts, that's that's an easy one, man. I'm, I'm big time, big time, big time rooting for the Colts, and I think there's a real good chance that they end up winning. 
kind of talked about it a little bit before, but Tampa Bay is in this weird slide right now. Um, it's not something I expected, um, but they are in a really weird situation since basically week eight. They lost to the Saints, lost to Washington, and then blew out the Giants, which again was kind of an expected thing where you're beating bad teams, right? The, the last time they won was the Bears. The time before that was Philadelphia, then Miami, then uh, the Patriots before they were good, um, Atlanta, and then Dallas week one. But they lost to the Rams also. So, so again, I've gone over this already, but aside from really bad teams, they've struggled. And especially recently, they've struggled. The Saints are not, or excuse me, the Colts are not an elite football team, but they're good enough that if you're not, if you're kind of a fraud, they'll expose you. The biggest reason I'm curious about that is um, the rushing game. That's going to be really interesting because one thing that Tampa actually does quite well, and this is probably why Tampa is Tampa Bay is going to win, but the one thing that they really still have going for them is their run defense, and this is the number two rushing team in football. In fact, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is on course to break some kind of an NFL record, although he didn't get 100 yards against Tennessee. I saw somewhere they said uh, he's going to break some kind of a record for most 100-yard games. Maybe it's just most totally. He has one, two, three, four, five, six. I don't know. He's, he's killing it right now. He has six games where he rushed for over 100 yards. Since week four, he's only not rushed for 100 yards uh, twice, and it's not because he's running the ball 30 times a game. He got 100 yards on 16 carries against Miami for 6.4-yard average. Um, he got 145 yards on 14 carries, 10.36 yard average, uh, 107 on 18 carries, almost six yard average, uh, 172 on 19 carries, which is a nine yard average, uh, 116 on 21. And then last week he did run a bunch, 185 yards on 32 carries, still almost a six yard average. He has a 5.8 yard per carry average with 13 touchdowns, 1,122 yards. Jonathan Taylor is just, I, I don't know, man. He's, he's kind of killing it. Now, I, we knew as soon as he went there, he was going to a great situation with that offensive line. But even so, it's such a, just a ridiculously good uh, combination, situation, whatever. And I'm excited. What, when is this game? I hope I can watch this. I want to watch this one so bad. I want to see the Colts steamroll the Buccaneers so badly. But I don't know. I, I'm not going to bet on it because that if Tampa Bay can stop the run, which they're still doing quite well, that kind of neutralizes the Colts and their their ability to do things. If they can't, though, I think it's game over because that's the only thing Tampa... So it's really just a matter of who's going to win that battle. And I desperately want the Colts to win that battle. The Falcons-Jaguars, who cares? Two and eight going up against four and six. Is there any reason to believe anything at all about anything? I mean, neither team has won. They, they both almost have the exact same... <laughs> It's kind of crazy. Um, they both lost their last two, and then three weeks ago, they both won. Four weeks ago, they both lost. Five games ago, because they have different bye weeks, they both won. The game before that, they both lost. The only difference here is that Atlanta won a game prior to that, and Jacksonville did not. So both teams are win-loss, win-loss, loss the last five weeks. So, yeah, I, I, I got nothing here. There's nothing really interesting as far as any kind of hunches or anything. I mean, even the over-under doesn't do anything for me because Atlanta's offense can occasionally run wild, and Jacksonville will go up against a team like Buffalo and hold them to, what, six points? 
So I got nothing there. Carolina, Miami. Um, I just want Miami to win because I don't like Carolina. It's also AFC versus NFC. I will say I am a little surprised that it's... Oh, I guess Miami's won three in a row, huh? I haven't been paying attention to that. That's interesting. I mean, they played Houston, Baltimore, and the Jets, so Baltimore's weird. But even so, the defense has been decent. I mean, 26 points to Buffalo isn't that bad. They allowed 9 to Houston, 10 to Baltimore, and 17 to the Jets. The defense has kind of been playing fairly well. They're ranked 23rd, but that's because, I mean, if you look at from starting in Week 2, 35-31, 27-45, that's where you get beat up. But recently, they've been pretty solid. The offense, that's kind of trash, and Carolina's defense is, is on point. <sighs> Plus, since they've got Cam and CMC back, they did lose to New England and Washington. Maybe I'm just under underselling Washington because every time every time I look at Washington, it's like, yeah, well, they beat this team. You know, they, they lost a what trying to talk myself into picking Carolina. But a three-game win streak is scaring me off a little bit. Plus, I just generally don't care for Carolina very much. Could just call it a superstition thing where at least I think I will. I'm gonna bet on Carolina. And if they lose, I'll be happy, but I'm not gonna bet much. All right, we got one in the books. I don't feel super confident about it, but I do think Carolina will probably win the game. And again, if they don't, I will happily give up the money. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, man, it, there aren't too many divisions I dislike more than the AFC North because I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't like them, and I don't know why. I know Cincinnati is not doing great right now, but I don't know that they ever were doing all that great. I mean, they barely beat Minnesota in overtime. They lost to Chicago. Um, they beat Pittsburgh. They beat Jacksonville. Who cares? They lost to Green Bay. They beat Detroit. Baltimore, again, it's another team that I think I'm just giving too much credit to because every time I look at it, well, you beat Baltimore. That's impressive. Yeah, but every team has one impressive win, and it's over Baltimore. Maybe Baltimore just kind of sucks. They did just smash the Raiders, but that was just coming off a bye. Maybe that kind of worked to their advantage. I don't know. Pittsburgh's one selling point is their defense, and their defense has fallen to 12th, no thanks to their loss to the Chargers, where they gave up 41 points. They also just tied Detroit. They barely beat the Bears. I think Cincinnati wins this game, dude. The Steelers are so bad right now, it's crazy. So bad. And they lost the last time they met up 24-10, to and Pittsburgh had a dominant defense back then. And this time, Cincinnati's at home. I'm taking Cincinnati in this. It is minus 3.5, though. I don't care for that. Oh, well, only live once, betting on the Bengals. Chargers, Broncos, I don't care. I would say I want the Chargers to win because I don't care for the Broncos, but the Broncos have pretty much established themselves as not being very good, so I think I think they've taken a, much of a bludgeoning as is necessary. 49ers-Vikings at 3 o'clock is a glorious football game. Um, I do believe Minnesota's going to win that game. Minnesota's been coming on pretty strong. They are the kind of team, though, that'll just kind of fall apart, so that may happen. 49ers are also favorited. Let me look at this, because that's surprising to me. Again, I, I listen, I know Minnesota is struggling, but I watched that game against the Packers. And maybe it's just because they play the Packers well, so I always think too highly of Minnesota. <sighs> but San Francisco sucks too. So, And believe me, I am absolutely rooting for the 49ers. I, as much as I cannot stand the 49ers, I just, well, I, I guess, man. They lost to Arizona, but that's a divisional thing. It's always kind of iffy. The last four games outside of that, though, they beat the Bears 33-22. to 
the Rams 31 to 10 and Jacksonville 30 to 10. I mean, I guess that's one divisional game. So, I mean, they, they got blown out by one team in their division. They blew out another team in their division and then beat up on two really bad teams. Prior to that, they lost to the Colts. Um, before that, they lost three in a row. I don't know, man. You could say the 49ers are getting kind of hot right now, but the Vikings won two in a row. Why can't they? I don't know. I think I'm going to pick Minnesota. And again, I mean, that's that. I think all my bets today are just going to be hedging my bets where I kind of hope I lose all my money because I'm going to bet against everybody. I'm going to bet on everybody I want to lose. I am going to, and it's three and a half points in favor of the 49ers. Is this played in San Francisco? That would make a little bit more sense. It is in San Francisco. Um, but I don't care. I might even bump up my bet because I really want to lose this one. It's also, it's not just the superstition part of it too. It's just what, what's going to make it worth or make it okay to lose. You know what I mean? Like what amount of money would it be like if Minnesota wins, I'm upset, but I'm equally excited that I won this much money. And it's a dangerous game because now you're talking like a hundred bucks, but <laughs> it's also the flip side of it where it's like, shoot, I lost that money, but hey, freaking Vikings lost, right? I'll take it. It's kind of, it, the other way of thinking of it is just you're buying it. If you had to, if you could buy a Vikings loss, how much would you be willing to pay? Conversely, if it was up to you, how much would you need to be bribed See, again, that's a super dangerous game, but that's that's the theory behind it. I'm going to put a little extra on that. It's either going to be a great Sunday, see, and that's the other, it's, it's going to be a great Sunday or a great Sunday. It's either going to be a great Sunday football-wise, or I'm going to make some money. See, the, the thing is, though, it's all going to hinge on the Packers, because if all my other bets hit and the Packers lose, then it's still a bad football Sunday, and that's why I got to put a ton on the Packers, That's because that's the biggest one. I, th- I think I am going to put all my remaining money on the Packers, excuse me, on the Rams. And I will happily lose and rebuild my bankroll from there. But I, I no, I, I do think the Vikings are going to win the game. Um, the only other game, the 8 o'clock game, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Cleveland and Baltimore, again, don't care about the AFC North. Cleveland is kind of in shambles right now, but Baltimore's not very good. I think Baltimore's going to win just because Cleveland is just, you know, it's, it's more of a mentality thing. I feel like they're spiraling. I know they just won, but they barely beat Detroit after just getting pummeled by the New England Patriots, right? So, I don't know. I, I'm not putting anything on it, but if, if I had to, I would take the hapless Baltimore Ravens. Now, as for the Green Bay Packers and the LA Rams, what do I think the outcome of this game is going to be? I'm going to bet on the Rams as a hedge. Maybe I won't put it all, but I'm, I'm going to put a lot here. I'm also going to be buying points because I absolutely will not lose my money and have the Rams win by one. That's not going to happen. I'm betting on the Rams to win straight up. However, a couple things I want to keep in mind here. Number one, I think the Packers' defensive performance was sort of a one-off. I think the injuries played a major part in it, but also I just think the Rams had a good, or excuse me, the, the Vikings had a good plan for it. I don't think, again, with, with Joe Barry's familiarity with the Rams, that they're going to have the same kind of mishaps in terms of just not really having a plan to know how to stop the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, additionally, if you want to say it was injury-related, I think getting Rashawn back is going to play a, a major part in that. So in other words, when I look at what I think the defense defense is going to be able to do, I'm kind of ruling out the 34. And I'm kind of putting a cap at about 22 points because that's pretty much all this defense has given up, not including the 49ers game, but 17, 17, 22, 14, 10, 21, 13, and 0. Factor in, it's in Green Bay, cold weather, rowdy fans, and I do think the, the, the stadium is going to be rocking today. Just got a hunch. It's a big game, cold weather. Stafford, very injured. 
Uh, number two receiver, gone. So we got to rebuild our game plan. Again, the, the running backs are not necessarily elite. They run the ball well, but they don't exactly have Dalvin Cook-esque running backs. As for what the Packers are going to be able to do against the Rams. Now, remember, the Packers did finally hit a little bit of their stride yes, uh, last week. That doesn't mean I'm, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be completely ridiculous and say that the defense is going to give up 13 points in the offense. I'm going to just use week 11 because that's what the Packers offense is. But let's assume that they are in a little bit more of a rhythm, especially with MVS coming up. And if Aaron Jones comes back and Lazard plays, I mean, we're, we're kind of where we need to be, even if Aaron Rodgers isn't 100%. Well, what about the Rams defense? Well, the last two weeks have been some of their worst defensive performances, 31 and 28 points against the 49ers and the Titans. But let's just look at the last several weeks, 31, 28, 22, 19, 11, but that was the Giants, 17, 37, 24, 24, 14. So a standard number for them would be about 24 on the low end. If I were to use a top end number like I did for the Packers when I said 22, it's probably closer to 28. Now, 31 is, is a rare thing that the 49ers got, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to run with that. I'm going to say the score... Wait a minute. That would mean a lot of Packers field goals. That's a bad strategy. I was going to say 27, but that's three touchdowns and two field goals. I don't know if we're going to get two field goals. <laughs> Got to incorporate a missed field goal in there, so that would drop us back down to 24. I don't know if I want to give the, the Rams the high end, though. That seems kind of ridiculous to say our high end is 22, so I'm going to give them 22. 17-24 final. Packers win 17-24. Anyways, I suppose I should probably post this before the, uh, the game start. <laughs> so you folks have yourselves a great uh, day, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of Victory Sunday live streaming today and uh, Victory Sunday or Monday podcast tomorrow. Have a good day. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye.